know that we are blessed. We are blessed. Hallelujah. Today I am reminded of a um, prophetic word that was given so long ago. And today we are seeing the fruition of that prophetic word. We have finally walked into that prophetic word today. For many years, we heard the word of the Lord. For those of you who have been with us for a while now, we've heard the word of the Lord that God was going to bless us with our own place. And maybe for many of you, you thought it was a far away thing and it was never going to happen. How many of you felt that way at one point? Come on, be, be real today. Be real. Um, but I'm reminded about the Lord and how when he gives us a word, it doesn't necessarily is going to happen this year, next year, or the year after. Some of us are looking for God's word to come to pass in a year's time. And when that doesn't happen, we get disappointed, we go through changes and all of that. But I'm here to say today that when you are patient and you wait upon the Lord, his word is going to come to pass. And the blessing that he promised you, that he promised us, is here today. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And for us who have been waiting for a while, that we've been since way back on 116. How many people here have left that started at 116th Street with us? Well, hallelujah. Well, today we're on a new place. <laughs> hallelujah. Because we were getting a word even back then on 116th Street that God was going to bless us with our own place, with our own facility, with our own church. Where we can worship and praise and hallelujah with all our hearts, with all our minds. And we are standing on that promise today. We are standing on God's promise today. Hallelujah. And if that's not reason to shout, I don't know what is. Hallelujah. But we are standing on the promise that God gave us years ago. Hallelujah. We remain steadfast, waiting on God's word to be fulfilled. And this day has come. Hallelujah. Oh, we magnify and praise your holy name. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise you. So I'm here to tell you today. If God has given you a word, stand on it. Hallelujah. Don't give up. Stand up and say it's going to come to pass. Hallelujah. Don't say it's been two years or three years because God has no time zone. But he always is on time. Hallelujah. And when you're ready, when you're ready, he delivers what he promised you. So I'm here to say, stand on the word of the Lord, for it will come to pass. And today we are celebrating that day. Hallelujah! Today we are celebrating that word of God. So let's just rejoice and be happy in what God is doing. And I don't know about you guys, but I see this place getting packed out sooner than we even think. Hallelujah. And the people coming in. Oh, and we got to go to two services and three services. Hallelujah. Because we can't contain it. Oh, we praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's dance and shout out to the Lord. Oh, we glorify the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God is good. All the time, God is good. Hallelujah. All the time. Hallelujah. Oh, we are so excited today. We are so excited. I can't 
contain myself. I don't know about you guys, but I just can't contain myself. Hallelujah. We are happy. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to be preaching today, my husband is, but I just want you to continue with that same excitement. Hallelujah. For God and for his word. For his word will come to pass. Hallelujah. No matter what. I don't care what people say. I know my God delivers. Hallelujah. I know he delivers in his timing. Hallelujah. Oh, we are so blessed. How many of you know that you are blessed? We are blessed. We are blessed. Hallelujah. Oh, let's continue to worship and to praise him as we get ready to receive the man of God and the word of God that God has laid in his spirit for this day. Hallelujah. Without much further ado, I want to introduce my, oh, Elder Roth and Elder Isabel have some choice, some words for you guys, some choice words that they would like to share. The elders have been with us for many years now, and I know they have a lot in their hearts. And I know this day, I say, this has been special for my husband and I, and for many of you, it's also very special for them. So here they are. Evidence of the crossing over, First Lady. <laughs> It is in business as usual. We're entering a fixed fight. <laughs> and, and, and we're already celebrating because it's fixed. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Because I labored to see this day. Back in 116, when God says he has a temple for us. A place of worship. A place of... A place that was, there's no limitation that he can flex and show who he is. A neighborhood that will be transformed because he has a group of people that are going to allow him to work. I'm going to give you my wife first. Sorry, I was taken off guard. But I am truly, truly just honored and privileged. Um, oh my God, I, I couldn't sleep last night. I couldn't sleep. Everything, of the whole history of Calvary was just going through my mind. And I was able to grab something from each and every season and each and every period that we went through. Because it's not about also the building, it's the growth in us that I saw. And seeing the children standing here. You know, there was a time that my children stood here singing in the children's choir and today I got the privilege and honor of seeing three of my grandchildren singing and I was so blessed. I want to take the time and, and really just thank you, each and every one of you. We could not do this without any of you. This is really all a part of you. Everything that was put in here is for you. But you know what? The building is beautiful, and God has been faithful, but it's about what, what we're going to do. And I believe that as we're entering in this new house, we ourselves are going to be renewed and grow and be able to deal with the community and help them at their needs. So I'm just thankful and I'm grateful. And I thank each and every one of you. You know, pat yourself on the back. You really had a part of this. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you. Now I get to have fun. Part two of the evidence of the transformation and the breakthrough. The first lady and 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 the second lady. <laughs> May I can stay up here and, and talk about so many things in the journey that we've been into. It's been painful. Nobody likes being in the desert. But the beauty of it, at the end, there's a shiny light. There's a shiny reward. There's a there's a victory dance. We're dancing it today. And this is not, oh man, thank God we have a house of worship. This is, oh man, beware our enemy. Because we have a place. We have a center. We have a delivering house. We have a teaching center. We have a healing house. There's a new lighthouse in the neighborhood. Beware our enemy. For we're going into your camp and take our brothers and sisters back. I just want to take the next few seconds to introduce the apostle of the house. The father of the house. The visionary of the house. The one who birthed this and saw this even before we even dreamed about it. Your father and mine is Pastor Victor Nazario. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated in God's presence. Very special day indeed. I remember when I was 15 years old, I knew I was going nowhere. I knew I was a statistic in the making. Um, I came from a broken home. And uh, I remember my dad had left. And uh, mom and I and my younger brother uh, pretty much had uh, to deal with whatever issues we had to deal with. But in the midst of it, um, I got to see early on how a broken family uh, experiences different types of dangerous, destructive situations. Uh, I remember as a young child, I did not understand um, what depression was. I, I didn't understand that. And so my mom was going through a very serious depression and I, I didn't know how to handle it. The only thing I would do is react when she went through an extreme and try to help her as much as I could. Very angry at dad because he wasn't there. I didn't understand the dynamics of relationships. Um, I, I just was angry at him because I only heard her side of the story. But he had his own. But how does a 13, 14, 15-year-old boy deal with that? So throughout that three-year process, um, I knew I was going to be a statistic. I hated life. Life was terrible. It didn't mean anything to me. Um, but at 15, I visited the church. I remember my, my wife, uh, we went to school together. Um, we went through, what was it, ninth grade? We were in ninth grade together? And, and what happened was is that uh, she invited me to her home. And when I went to her home, we had a nice, uh, uh, you know, we played games. Uh, uh, I don't know, I don't remember the games you guys have. Uno, chess. It was a lot of fun. But um, her mother, she one day told me, he says, you know, you really need to go to church. I said, what do you mean? Says, because your family's going through trouble. God can help you. God can help your parents. God can help you. And uh, if you go to church and ask God, if you pray to God, he'll help you. And I went, serious? Okay, I'll do that. So I went with my friend, her sisters, and we went to a beautiful service. 
in the midst of the service, I heard the gospel for the very first time. And when I heard that, in fact, it was not set in stone. If I give this wonderful God a chance with my life, he could turn it around for me. He could turn it around for my family. So I remember that day when they, they asked if we would come up and receive Christ. I ran up there. Not for me, but I ran up for my parents. And I asked them to pray for my parents. But I remember receiving Christ myself. And it really changed my life. Because I went from a child who had no hope. Um, I, was, I was really, really in a very hateful place. I was raised up in the late 60s, early 70s in Harlem. And uh, you, you know the wars that went on there. The savage nomads, uh, the, uh, the savages, the young lords. I mean, that was my atmosphere. That was my environment. And several times I was almost murdered. So I hated life. I knew nothing good would come out of it. But yet, God said, it can. I can change it for you. Uh, I have something new for you. And I remember when I prayed, I don't know what happened. Uh, I just know I felt better about it. But here's what happened. I kept on visiting that church. And Gwen continued to come. We went together and the sisters went together. But within two months, within two months, I started playing uh, the bass guitar. One of the things that got me about that church was the fact that they were very happy. They were very energetic. They were, they, they would, they'd loved to praise God. And so I said, I want to do that. Let, you know, can I do that? So I prayed to God. I said, God, three things. Let me learn how to play an instrument and play in the church. Number two, take away this depression from mom because it's dangerous. And number three, I want dad to come back home. I want them to get married. It was impossible. He was already married to another woman. So within six months, my mom stopped being depressed. I don't remember the day that that thing lifted off of her. She just stopped being depressed. It was one of these miracles that you don't even realize that happened. It just suddenly happened. It just, or rather throughout the process of time, God just, you know, made her happy. She just stopped being depressed. So I remember that. And later on, I says, God, you answered my prayer. I'm playing in the church. Mom's not depressed anymore. Then later on, I don't know what happened. My dad divorced the other lady, came back, came back home. And I don't understand the dynamics of it. He just came back home. And then later on, I grew up in the Lord. I became a minister. And one day, mom and dad asked me if I would perform the wedding ceremony and marry them. Amen. And so, God makes all things new. God does hear prayers. And if you're in a situation where you think it's impossible, huh, God is just getting started. Ask and you shall receive. Amen. What is the miracle you need? Well, guess what? Almighty God is saying to you, he made all things new. In the cross, he destroyed the works of the enemy. And that's in its potential form. Now, all you need to do is ask Almighty God, and He will respond by releasing His anointing to your situation. And I love His anointing because His anointing is like a chameleon. How's that? Well, a chameleon can acclimate to its surrounding. A, a chameleon can actually turn gold with that gold. It could turn brown with this brown. God's anointing can literally acclimate to your situation and become the answer to your specific situation. Amen? Praise God. So I worship Him. I glorify His name. Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, all things are new. Praise God. Praise God. Before I share a couple of verses with you, I, I wanted um, to really honor two people here, uh, very special to us. 
when we were ready to start looking, a series of miracles happened. But one of it is that Sister Jeanette says, you know, I have a friend of mine. And, and she just finished telling me something very interesting. I told her we're looking for a place. And her, her friend said, you know, something just opened up. And we have today that very friend. Lisa Martinez is here together with her partner, Raul Martinez of Century 21. And these two precious souls, I don't, I just, listen, if you want to become a business person, act like them. Because they did such a phenomenal job of ministering to us. It was business, but they loved us. They, they loved us through the process. They took care of us. And I believe it was the Lord that connected uh, these two to us. And uh, today, as part of, man, it's so cool where you could actually work and yet see the move of God at the same time. You know, so I want Lisa to come here, Mom. Is, do you have that, the mic? Could you turn it on? I want to absolutely put you on the spot. I'm so sorry. But just take it as, this is part of your family. Okay, just, I just want you, I, first I, I want to thank God for, for Lisa and thank God for Raul. And you may have them just, amen. So, just, just say, amen. amen. Thank you so much. God bless you, Calvary. I come to you with the love of the Lord. And I am crying with you. I am dancing with you. I pray. I don't live far from here. And during the process, Pastor and, and, and Sister Gwendolyn, I would drive back and forth and pray and pray and pray. I, I saw believe you guys. It. I saw the van out there. And I, I love you. And I thank God for the opportunity to be a part of this. And I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be thank back. you. Thank you so much. So, Jeanette, thank you for that divine connection. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Senor Raul. Well, I thank you. I never come across something like this, but I'm overwhelmed. And I remember the place where it was and what you have done. And I'm sure you all will pray together and be here a long time. Amen. I thank you very much. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being here. More than words can say. Hallelujah. Thank you so very much. Well, I want to read a couple of minutes, uh, several verses to you. The first one is Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. I want to talk a couple of minutes about God doing a new thing in our lives. God doing a new thing. Isaiah 43 Verse 18 and 19. I might read from the New Living Translation. I might read from the Amplified. So if mine is a little different, don't worry about it. It's, it's just the essence that I want to bring. Uh, the Bible's multifaceted. So I, I like to study different versions and, and, and just extract, extrapolate the, the, the truths that are contained within. But Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19 says, But forget all of that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. God had split the Red Sea wide open. God had delivered his people. God had ushered them into their promised land. So we're talking about major things. And he's saying, forget about that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. And he says, for what I'm about to do is something new. You see, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. He was talking to Israel at that moment. 
And we know this is case-specific. But this is the type of God we're dealing with. He deals with new lives. He deals with new beginnings. He deals with our impossibilities. So today, as I, ref re I reflect on this particular verse, He makes pathways in our wilderness. He did so physically. He continues to do so. But He also does so spiritually. Is there anybody here in the wilderness, spiritually speaking? Are you going through a situation that... You're having a difficulty processing. Are you going through situations where you're having trouble? Uh, maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're in pain. Well, guess what? God is with you and he is for you. I, I want to submit today to you that you're here not because so much of this celebration. That was just the hook to get you here. God wanted to minister to you personally and to let you know that he loves you and that he's making a way just for you. He hears your prayers, he hears your frustrations, he hears your pain. Parents, he hears your pain for your children. And guess what? He has not forgotten your children. Amen? And he wants to do a, a great and mighty thing. He loves when we pray to him because when we pray, we are giving him authority in our specific situation. What happens is there is a partnership. And I say this often, but for those of you that haven't heard me say it before, when God created man, he made him steward here on the earth. He said, I make you responsible over the affairs of the earth. So we're stewards here on earth. So God, when he creates a law or when he speaks a word, he submits to that very word that he, he creates. So when God made man steward here on earth or the manager here on earth, whenever God's going to do something now, he works through man. Anytime he's going to do something, he'll call a man, a woman to do it. Anytime he's going to do something, he does so through mankind, right? Well, God can do whatever he wants. Yes, absolutely. But when God ushers a word, the Bible said he honors his word even above his name. So what happens is, is when he creates a law on earth, he submits to that very law. That's why Jesus had to become man in order to make things right. Because man's in charge here on earth. When, when God died on the cross, he died as man. You see my point? So when God's going to do something, he'll work through man. So here's the thing I, I, I want to share with you. There's somebody right now going through issues, through problems, through situations. And guess what? He is now trusting you with his word. He's trusting you with the anointing that he deposited in you to go now be a, a, a helper, a, 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 an answer, a blessing, amen, a minister to somebody else. Why? Because he saw a problem, he saw an issue on earth, so he calls us to be the answer. And we partner with Almighty God. He's the senior partner, we're the junior partner. But make no mistakes about it, we're involved in eternal matters. So when God says he's making a new way, first he'll make it for us, and then he'll help us in helping other people in terms of their new day, and in that new way for them. Amen? So say to your neighbor, you're very important. Amen. You are. So the first thing is that God makes all things new. Right? Second thing in Revelation chapter 21, 5. Revelation 21, 5. God makes all things new. And we're considering newness because Resurrection Day reminds me of newness. And we're in a time of Passover where you see the spring flowers, where you see how God delivered his people. You see the third day where he resurrected. So we talk about new things. And, and God's people need to start seeing that because we're so burdened by uh, the economy. We're burdened by problems. We're burdened by our jobs. We're burdened because there's not enough finances. I tell you something, there's more than enough. We just need a vision. Money follows visionaries. 
Hello. Absolutely. Absolutely. Money follows visionaries. That's a fact and that's the way it is. If you don't believe that, what about this guy in Hollywood who brings in a script and he sells it to these guys? He says, I think this could make money. The guys look at it and say, I, I think it could make money too. They invest 10, 20, 30, 40, 200 million dollars. But they don't invest in it just because they liked it. They invest it because they believe that it can create a change in culture and a, and a shift of finance back to them. So what they do is they invest before they ever make a penny. They already invested about two, three, four hundred million dollars. And the movie day opens up, and guess what happens? All of us fund their vision. Yeah, because we go out in mass. We'll wait on lines. We'll do whatever it takes. We'll spend all night long waiting to see a movie. Or to buy the next Nike sneakers. Or to buy the next iPhone. The iPhone 20.682. We'll, we'll, we'll just wait all night long. I went the other day to the Apple store, and there were literally lines of young people just camping out. Some people had sandwiches, others had, you know, tents. And I'm looking at them saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. But some visionary decided to make a little piece of technology, and these people are funding his vision. You see, so vision will always attract. So it's not that you don't have enough. It's that you need to awake the visionary that's inside of you. When you stop this doubting stuff, when you stop this worry stuff, and you start trusting God in who you are and who created you to be, watch that the resources will come your way. Tell your neighbor the resources are on their way. Praise God. God is making all things new. Revelation 21.5. And the one sitting on the throne, Almighty God, said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to, to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Then he went on to describe all the things that he's making you. But the bottom line is, God loves to make things new. He, he's, he's the creator, and he's multifaceted in his creativity. Praise God. Third thing is, in Christ, we are a new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, verses 17 and 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. I love that part of the verse because even though I know my old things, I remember my old things. The devil reminds me of my old things, but God says those things have passed away. I've thrown, thrown them into the sea of forgetfulness. I no longer will remember those things. So if God doesn't remember them, why do I have to remember them anymore? Hallelujah. I look to the cross, and guess what? Jesus is not there anymore. He rose again, and he makes all things new. So I might have been a, a mess yesteryear, but guess what? When I came to Christ, he made me a new creation. He just decided that he loves me so much that he's going to adopt me in his family, call me son, give me his anointing, give me his inheritance, and say, you belong to me. And when the devil comes to accuse me, guess what he says? I don't remember it. One of the names of, of the devil is accuser of the brethren, right? So there's a heavenly court. You have the accuser of the brethren. That's the prosecuting attorney. Then you have the paraclete, the one that comes alongside. That's the defense attorney. The Lord Jesus Christ is right there. Then you have the just judge, which is the heavenly father. So the enemy comes and accuses you in his court. He says, he did that, she did that, he did that, he's this, 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 and this, and that, and a litany of things he shares against you. And guess what? They're all true. And then Jesus, when it's Jesus' turn, 
The father heard all the accusations. But when it's Jesus' turn, Jesus turns to the father and says, all of that might be true, but that person received me. That person accepted me as Lord and Savior. And you know the pact, Heavenly Father, that whoever comes to me, I forgive. My blood cleanses their sin. I forgive them of all their past. Hallelujah. You remember, Heavenly Father, we make them our, our, you know, our family, part of our family. Then God renders decision based on the evidence, and he, bam, hands down the gavel, hits the, the, the gavel, he hits the table, and he says, I declare them not guilty. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's what happened for you. When you came to Christ, God took all your sins, threw them away to the sea of forgetfulness. All things are new. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And then verse 17, For he made him who knew, who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, at the cross, he took our sin, right, as the Lamb of God. But at the same time, he transferred, he took our sin, then he transferred his righteousness to us. So now we become the righteousness of God. Not because of the works that we've done, because God knows we fall short. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God imputes upon us His righteousness. Who's going to debate that? If God says you're righteous, case closed. There's a program in Spanish, Caso Cerrado. Case closed. That's for you Spanish folk that like to watch novelas. <laughs> so... So I love that. Next thing is that he has given us a new covenant, a new law, a new contract, a new agreement. In 1 Corinthians 11.25, it says, In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. And we take the Lord's Supper to remember what he's done for us. It's a new covenant. And the new covenant is grace. His new covenant is love. His new covenant is if we come to him through Christ Jesus, he receives us as his family. My God. And it's an active contract because contracts are not valid until they're signed. I remember, Lisa, when I signed the contract, I suddenly felt authorized because my signature was there. But before that, you just discussed, and they did. They took their time. Raul and Lisa, they took their time, and they discussed everything with me. Here are the caveats. Here's the, past, uh, the, the positive side. We, when we came to this building, I knew that once we signed in closing and I received the key, I knew that those problems now become mine by contract. So once we came in here, I said, oh boy, I got this, I got this, oh boy, oh boy. Because <laughs> I know the value of a contract. Well, the highest contract that ever existed and will ever exist is the contract that Jesus signed in his own blood. His, his, his act on the cross was as a signature to that contract. He became the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God that received all the sin and it sends him away to the wilderness. Praise God. But when he signed that contract, that authorized me to be able to be a beneficiary of his blessings. A beneficiary of that contract. So when the enemy tries to taunt me, well, you did this, you did this, I don't care. I'm, an, I'm under a new contract. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Last week, the people at work, at the place where I work, uh, we were concerned because it was a possibility we could go on strike. So 32BJ, anybody here from 32BJ? A couple of people. So right now, we're not unhappy anymore. We're very happy. You know why? Because just last week, our president, Mr. Hector Figueroa, signed a new contract. 
a day before that, I was, pla- I was preparing my building that I managed for strike. Because I, I wouldn't have doormen, I wouldn't have handymen, I wouldn't have porters. So I was setting up all, all of the tenants, the unit owners, to make sure they do volunteer work, whether it be garbage, whether it be cleaning, vacuum cleaning. But the moment I got that text, we, we have a new contract. I took all that stuff, I broke it. Because I'm no longer worried. We have a new contract. Praise God. So when I came to Christ, I was a mess. I was messed up. I knew I was going nowhere. Uh, that inheritance that, that was being passed on to me of alcohol, alcohol, alcoholism. Alcoholism. I got stuck there a moment. So all of that stuff was passing on to me. But when, I, when Jesus signed a new contract for me, guess what? And I received him. Now I realized, oh my God, I have a better future I have an eternal inheritance. God loves me. He's my heavenly father. I don't have to worry about these things anymore. They might be there, but they have no longer any power over me. Hallelujah. I'm under a new contract. Amen. Praise God. The next thing is his mercies and compassion are new every day. Every single day. You know, if you mess with me and you fail me, I'll have mercy on you. Because I'm that type of person. I really, I, I have compassion. I, I have, so people many times take advantage of me because I have, I guess, a gift of compassion, might be. But even me, you mess with me enough. After a while, my compassion wanes and dwindles. You keep on, you know, it's, it's almost like the bully keeps on punching you and scratching your nose and stepping on your toe. One day, you're not going to take it anymore, right? Right, right? So we, we have limited compassion. We have limited love. After a while, boy, and you know, and, and, but luckily, I don't have to get to that point because my wife handles anybody before I ever get to that point. She takes care of anybody. So you're not going to get that far with me. So, but I love Almighty God because every single morning I pray this, I declare it, and that is Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Almighty God is faithful. He's faithful to his word. We're in this place today because he's faithful to his word. Hallelujah. Amen. He's faithful to his word. You're in a situation where you're not sure. Well, depend on his word. You can confide in him. Many of us don't trust God because we don't trust people. So we handle God the same way we handle people. If people fail, then God must fail. No. Earthly fathers fail. Heavenly Father never fails. Praise God. So even though man might have failed you, Almighty God will never fail you. Family members might fail you. Heavenly Father never fails you. Praise God. Your friends might fail you, but our Heavenly Father never fails. His faithfulness, new every morning. Mercy, new every morning. His compassion, new every morning. I had a hard day yesterday, but that's all right. The moment I woke up, I said, thank you, Heavenly Father, for your compassion, your mercy. Praise God. Your faithfulness is new every single morning. And the other thing is, he puts a new song in our mouths. In Psalms chapter 40, verse 3, he's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. And I have a thing about Christians and their words. Because the Bible says there's death and life in the power of our tongues. And I find that many Christians are always complaining and grumbling and mumbling. And and always remembering the terrible things. And always saying the, the terrible things. Right? But, you know, God says that there's power 
death and life in our tongues. So we need to put a check in our spirit and a check in our mouths. And we're about ready to complain. Stop. Praise God instead. Stop. Find something to good, good to say in, in spite of that. Amen? Nothing good to say? Just praise Him. Hallelujah, anyhow. Because <laughs> sometimes that's what you got to say. You see, so we need to really start checking what we say and start speaking, not just positively, but speak God's word into the situation. Because many times people speak positive and, and it might not come out, but if you speak God's word, His, his word has eternal power and, and weight and merit and authority here in the earth realm. So memorize God's word and share His word and praise Him every day. Every morning when you get up, you should praise God. Yeah, some people, how you doing? Ah, same old, same old. I don't say same old, same old, because I know his mercy is on you every morning. I know he's doing something amazing on earth. Yeah, don't you know how many bad things there are? Yeah, you got to watch Channel 7, Eyewitness News, a little less. And God, get into God's word a little more. And you watch, you'll change from a very negative person to a, you know, a happy, joyful, uh, full of the spirit of God type of person. Not too many amens on that one, right? I'm touching a sacred cow, your news, your Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Listen, Shadeh Berenois does not have all the revelation. It's found in God's holy word. She's just repeating what her supervisors are telling her to say. And it's all a script that's already been preset. Praise God. So you've got to change the script and make the script the word of God. Hallelujah. And finally... In Christ, we become part of a new family. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8 on, it says, what does it say? It says that the word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. See, that's why you can't just say, yeah, I believe in God. No, you have to believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. See, and it activates something here in the natural realm. You're not just speaking to your friends and family. You're speaking to principalities and powers also. And then it says, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, the same Lord overall, is rich to all who call upon him. So he's rich to you today. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, You are a chosen generation. So say to your neighbor, you're chosen. You are a royal priesthood. The word royal priesthood is interesting because priesthood is priesthood and royalty is royalty. But yet God says we're not only a priesthood so that we can advocate between God and man. We're also royals. I mean, that means we belong to a royal family, right? Now, if you're a prince, what does that mean? That means you're son of a king. If you're a princess, what does that mean? That means you're a daughter of a king. Amen? Well, the Bible says we're royal, which means we belong to the king. We're family of the king, which makes us children of the king. Which makes us princes and princesses. Amen. And then at the same time, he calls us a priesthood. So we have the right to intercede between God and man. So God authorizes us as royal priests to identify the problem issues in the world and go between God and man and, and be that intercessor that connects them. Amen. We are a part of the process that connects the miracle, that, that helps the miracle to happen. Amen. Tell, tell you, David, you're a miracle worker. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. And in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17, it says, Come out from among them. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you kindly, and I will treat you with favor. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Doesn't that make the case? He's not just God somewhere. He's not just God of the universe. He's our Heavenly Father. And He loves us as sons and daughters. Now, I don't know about you, how many of you have children? Isn't it weird? You'll do anything for your children. I mean, I'm talking about if you're a, a good parent. If, if you really have that parent thing happening, you will throw yourself in front of a bus for your children. In a minute, in a second. You won't even think. I remember years ago, somebody messed with my son. And I went over to see that person. And I stood right in their face. I said, don't mess with my son. Because if you mess with my son, you have to mess with me. Pastor, you did that? Yeah. I did that. And the person backed off. Because, you, you know, you have to understand, you can't just talk to people that way. You, you, you talk to them, you're talking to the family. So if you mess with him, you're messing with me. And, of course, I prayed for him and got him filled with the Holy Ghost out there, right? <laughs> well... I went home and I repented. I thought, oh, God help me, Jesus. <laughs> but I don't know what I'm doing. But listen, don't mess with God's people because God himself gets involved. God will handle your enemies because he's Heavenly Father. Amen. Praise God. I, I love what a story that Pastor Jim Simbola said years ago. And it was an Easter story. And I just wanted to read, read it to you briefly because it really uh, speaks of, of the power of, of, of us being here present in community. It's called the ministry of presence. Because many of us say we're Christian, and I'm not saying here, I'm saying in general. But when it comes time to be that Christian, what it, is, uh, what it is to be a Christian? A representative of the love of God. We're followers of Jesus, but we're also representatives of His love, of his love to the world, right? So, uh, Pastor Simbola went on to say this. He, he, he used to preach a lot, or preaches a lot, um, at a specific church in the slums of New York. He tells her the following story. It was Easter Sunday, so I was tired at the end of the day, and I just went to the edge of the platform, pulled down my tie, sat down, and draped my feet over the edge. It was a wonderful service with many people coming forward. The counselors were, taking, uh, were talking with these people. And as I was sitting there, I looked up in the middle aisle, and there in the third row was a man who looked, about, who looked filthy, he looked around 50 years old, disheveled, and he looked at me sheepishly as if to say, could I talk to you? We have homeless people coming in all the time, asking for money and whatever. Uh, so as I sat there, I said to myself, though I'm ashamed of it, what a way to end the Sunday. I've had a good time preaching and ministering, and here's a fellow probably wanting some money for more wine. So he walked up. And when he got within five feet of me, I smelled a horrible smell like I've never smelled in my life. It was so awful that when he got close, I would inhale by looking away. And then I'd talk to him, and then I would look away to inhale, because I could not inhale facing him. I asked him, what is your name? He said, David. How long have you been on the streets? Six years. How old are you? I'm 32. He looked 50 hair matted, front teeth missing, wino, eyes slightly glazed. Where did you sleep last night, David? In an abandoned truck. I keep in my back pocket a money clip 
that also holds some credit cards. So I fumbled to pick one out, thinking, I'll give him some money. I won't even get a volunteer. They're, they're all busy talking with others. Usually we don't give money to people. We, we uh, take them to get something to eat. So I took the money out. David pushed his finger in front of me. He said, I don't want your money. I want this Jesus, the one that you're talking about, because I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die on the street. I completely forgot about David, pastor says, and I started to weep for myself. I was going to give a couple of dollars to someone that God had sent me. How easy that can be. I could make the excuse. I was tired, but that's no excuse. I was not seeing him the way God sees him. I was not feeling what God feels. But oh, did that change. David just stood there. He didn't know what was happening. I pleaded with God, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Please forgive me. I am so sorry to represent you this way. I am so sorry. Here I am with my message and my points, and you send somebody, and I'm not ready for it. Oh, God. Something came over me. Suddenly, I started to weep deeper, and David began to weep. He fell against my chest. As I was sitting there, he fell against my white shirt and tie, and I put my arm around him, and there we wept on each other. The smell of, this, of his person became a beautiful aroma. Here is what I thought the Lord made real to me. If you don't love this smell, I can't use you, because this is why I called you where you are. This is what you are about. You are about this smell. Christ changed David's life. He started memorizing portions of scripture that were incredible. We got him a place to live. We hired him in the church to do maintenance. We got his teeth fixed. He was a handsome man when he came out of the hospital. They detoxed him in six days. He spent that Thanksgiving in my house. He also spent Christmas at my house. When we were exchanging presents, he pulled out a little thing and said, This is for you. It was a little white hanky. It was the only thing that he could afford. A year later, David got up and he talked about his conversion to Christ. The minute he took the mic and began to speak, I said, man, this man's a preacher. This past Easter, we ordained David. He is now an associate minister of a church over New Jersey. And I was so close to saying, here, take this. I'm a busy preacher. Wow. Amen. Praise God. God could turn your life around in a heartbeat. All he needs is your heart. All he needs is your permission. He won't do anything in the earth realm unless he has your permission. He'll move in your life, but he's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is there. He's got all of his anointing, his grace, his favor, but he won't move. It's almost like a lawyer. Why do you think lawyers always advertise on TV? They can't just advocate for you. They have to get your permission first. When we come to Christ, we say, Christ, forgive me. He says, he just activated me. To do a work in, in his or her life. See, when I came to the Lord at 15, he wanted to minister to me. All along. He, he would send people. I never knew it. When I was 12, my father sent me to Pennsylvania. Uh, something called the Fresh Air Fund. And guess what he sent me to? To a Christian family. And they talked to me about the Lord. I didn't know. I, I, I don't remember any of that. But they prayed for me throughout all the years. I know that because later on when I was 30-something years old, I went back to Lancaster and I called out to that family. And I called them, and I met with them, and I showed them my family. And you know what the lady said? She says, Victor, I've been praying for you for all these years. 
See, so God is he's sending people your way. They've been praying for you. They've been laying out before God for you. Praise God. But God's waiting for you. The moment you go to him and say, oh, I open up my heart to you, move in my life. Show me my better future. And you connect with him, suddenly all of heaven belongs to you. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day, for your grace, your favor, your tender mercies. Thank you, Father, for this precious family that is here today. Lord, uh, it's such a miracle to look at this place. I've been here for a whole year, Lord God, eating dust, working and putting up sheetrock and many people in the congregation, putting up the heat, all the tools and everything. Even just last night, Lord God, mopping and preparing, but to see this house full like that. Oh, dear God, how precious. Wow. Father, we thank you. But this is nothing in comparison to what you've already done for us, my Lord. This is just a little picture of your faithfulness, of your kindness to us. So I pray, oh God, that you would even open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might see, my God, what you have already done for us, how much you love us. And Lord, that we might be able to personalize it, my God. Yeah, you're Savior of the world. But Father, I thank you. You're my Savior. So I pray that you would even touch their hearts, each and every person here, that they would receive him as their personal Savior, oh God, in this beautiful resurrection morning, afternoon now. Thank you, Father. We pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right where you're at, if, if the Lord has ministered to you, if you're at that place, if the door's been knocking on your heart, I want to open up this moment. I remember at age 15, when they, when they did the altar call, I was nervous at first because they said, come up and receive prayer. But I went up. It changed my eternity. It changed me. Later on, I was able to minister to my own family. My father and mother, my, my father and mother, they came to Christ. I was able to perform the wedding ceremony for them. My children have come to Christ. I'm confident my grandchild will come to Christ. You, you know, because that's our heritage now. But it started with me. You don't realize. Sometimes you're complaining about your father, mother, your uncles, and your, your, your aunts and everything. But maybe God's calling you to be the answer in that family. Maybe God's calling you to model something different. To mentor something different in your family. Praise God. I am known in my family as the pastor, as the minister. And I love that honor. Because you know, they come to me if they need something. Even in Facebook, from time to time, they'll interface with me. But they know that I'm a minister. And they're proud of that, praise God. But more important, I pray for them. And I believe God's doing miracles in their lives. And I believe God would use you and minister with you, to you, and through you on behalf of your family in the coming days. But if you need prayer this moment, I want to let you know the time of prayer and the place of prayer is the place of power because it's the place of transfer. Whenever we pray, God transfers. He takes your sin. He takes your pain. He takes your sickness. He takes your disappointments, your disillusionments, and he takes them and then he gives you his blessing. He gives you his wisdom. He gives you his peace. He gives you his joy. Amen. He adopts you into his family. He makes all things 